And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Genevieve Tager, best-selling author who over the past 20 years has channeled approximately 60 goddesses, angels, and ascended masters, and has had activation from 22 goddesses and benevolent beings to assist humanity in awaking their purpose and to move forward from what's holding them back from living a joyous life. Genevieve, thank you for joining me today and welcome. Thank you for having me here. I'm very excited. Genevieve, before we get started, I think a lot of people have misconceptions of what channeling really is. Can you help clear that up for us? Yeah, that's a huge misconception. People have a tendency to think that uh, some being is taking someone over. And for the most part, most channelers, that's not happening at all. What, what's happening is that you're just communicating with someone on the other side. And that could be an ascended master or an angel or a guide, something like that. And the way the communication happens is <clears throat> similar to the way a psychic person is doing it. Psychics tend to get things through visuals or sometimes words. <clears throat> uh, but channelers often get information via words. And when I say words, I mean they will appear as thoughts in your head. And what happens is often you're translating the information. Sometimes it's coming through. Uh, so it first will appear kind of in the area above my head in a high frequency energy. And then it'll translate into English because the way they're sending information is, is kind of through energy. And when that gets translated, then what I'm doing is I'm trying to decipher the best words that show up. And sometimes they show up as thoughts in my head, the same way that you might be thinking, if I say to you, the green elephant in the room, the exact same way you hear it in your head, right? If you were to think that thought, that's how they show up with channelers is they just appear as thoughts, right? And so the goal is you tend to ask a question, the channeler will ask a question and then wait to receive the answer. And when they receive the answer, they're paying attention to the thoughts that pop up in their head. Or in some cases, if I don't know a word, it's going to be given to me in, a, in an energy. And I'm going to try to feel what that word means. Because sometimes it'll show up in my heart as an emotion. You know, sometimes advanced words are given to me. And if I haven't actually used them in my past, I may not hear it properly. Meaning it might not show up as a thought perfectly in my head. And so some people think, oh, when someone's hesitating, that this being is not um, speaking properly, but that's not the case. What's happening is the interpreter, which is me, is not interpreting. Uh, I need some moment to actually be able to interpret it. And so this is what's happening is we're just, we're just paying attention, what information is happening, and then I'm deciphering it. And, or sometimes paraphrasing, because sometimes some of the words that come through are a little too, sometimes I get in an old English and I don't want to speak in old English to people, right? So I'm kind of translating it in another, and, and some words are so kind of a little up there that some people won't even understand the words. And so I translate them into other words. And I think that people get scared about the concept of channeling 
But if, they, if you understand that there are beings everywhere, there are angels everywhere, there are ascended masters everywhere, they're, they're everywhere. And when you leave this body and you're no longer here anymore, once you die, you're going to be connecting with all these beings telepathically. And so that's all I'm doing is I'm just telepathically connecting with these beings. And so in essence, that's what channeling is. No, no one's taking me over. And sometimes you may notice that uh, my behavior will change. My personality will change. But what I'm doing is I'm showing the person the essence of that being. So if Kuan Yin comes, I'll show you her compassion because I want you to see her compassion. Or if Athena comes, I'll show you her confidence and her strength or Mother Mary, her forgiveness, her love, you know, that kind of thing. I express it, but no one's doing it to me. I'm choosing to just show what that is. So that's hopefully that helps clear things up. The thoughts that you receive, they don't originate from you, right? Yes, they don't originate from me. And that's the hard part. When people are beginning with channeling or even many people receive information your thoughts and they don't even know sometimes that it's not coming through them i mean from their mind you can actually receive thoughts from your spirit your spirit tries to communicate to you a lot giving you guidance you know you may be kind of doing something then you just feel like no you need to look over here that's your spirit trying to tell you something so once you learn to decipher is it my thought or not my thought then you can kind of understand which are your thoughts and which are not your thoughts. What is the tip or trick to deciphering the difference between the two? It's a good question. Practice, for one. Because the way I did it was this. <clears throat> when I received information in the beginning, I kind of just had to practice. So I would ask a question and then I would receive an answer. And then I would pay attention to who might come through. And what happened was I didn't actually know these beings. Like I had never heard of Kuan Yin. Kuan Yin was the first Ascended Master who came through. And I, I literally never heard of her. I didn't know she was so large around the world. Um, and so she started saying these key information. And what happened was afterwards, I looked it up on the internet. And I wrote about compassion. I wrote about Kuan Yin. And next thing you know, I realized, okay, that's accurate because uh, I mean, I got information that I would never have known about. So that's, that's a really good way of doing it is not, as soon as you get the information, don't right away look up things, try to check to see um, more information. You know, for instance, if, if it was a benevolent being like Kuan Yin, then you can know that she's about compassion by writing and experiencing that yourself. So this is the other way is I received um, I received language that I don't always understand, right? Like when I say language, um, it could be coming through me and I'm trying to decipher it, or it could be like an advanced English or an old English. And sometimes I'm told you need to look up the original word of the meaning because sometimes I would write something. I'm thinking that doesn't make sense. And then I'm told, look up the original meaning of the word. And when I do, then it makes sense. So it's, it's just basically over time and verifying with yourself. That would be the best recommendation. I think some of the misconception can be due to the type of channeling. Like for example, trance channeling 
appears to be more where the being kind of takes over the body and you're speaking to the being and the actual person kind of takes a back seat to the whole thing. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what trans channeling is. That's not something I would ever do. Uh, that's not something I would be comfortable with. Um, I, I like my own spirit to be housed in my body, no other spirits, right? And I think that if you're not, if you're not someone who's connected directly to you, the Holy Spirit, you could, you know, some bad things could happen to you because there are dark spirits out there, right? So you need to know where home is. You know, need to know where the divine is and be able to really experience that in order to do something like that. But personally, I, I don't do that. But that yes, that's what that is. You're, you're literally being taken over. But when you see many channelers, that's not what's happening. You kind of took the words out of my mouth because I was thinking about asking, is it possible that somebody can be channeling malevolent beings? Yes, it is absolutely possible. And that's why, and I mean, you go back to the Bible, right? That's why, I mean, the Old Testament, and even when Jesus was around, he was clearing a lot of these malevolent spirits from beings. It seemed to be a common thing that they kept talking about all these people being possessed, right? And I think that at that time, they did not have necessarily this awareness the way we do now, that we can connect to spirit, that we, you know, we can have that connection, right? Instead, they kind of looked to gods, so to say, for um, to think that they're the ultimate, but they're not. They're not the. They're these benevolent beings, like angels, ascended masters, and so forth. They're there. They're here to help us with specific things. Give give us guidance with specific things. Kind of like you go to a plumber, and a plumber is going to teach you about plumbing, or a roofer, or some. They're specialized in something, right? And you are the one who always connects to your spirit. Always. That is so paramount and like very important. Do you feel like these beings that you're channeling are physically right next to you, but they're in a different frequency so you can't see them? What I feel is actually I feel um, I feel their presence in my aura. So what happens is when they're around, I'll feel a different energy um, with angels and other people have mentioned this, but like if you were to fan your face like that, that little wind that you feel, uh, that's tends to be what angels feel like when they come in your aura. So you feel this little fanning thing and people have said that, and I've noticed that that's one thing that I notice with angels with ascended masters. What I notice is a particular emotion, right? Like compassion or forgiveness or love or something specific. And I also feel my um, crown chakra and this area and here opening up really wide to be able to receive their high frequency energy. And so what happens is I often feel a kind of a lightness of energy around my head area when they're, when they're coming through. What do you feel from goddesses? I tend to feel... Um, strong like specific there's specific things i feel um 
goddess Daphne, I feel she's all about nature. She's all about wanting to connect yourself to your natural part of you, the nature part of you, the earth elements, that kind of thing. And so when I, when you think about nature and how that makes you feel, that's the energy that I feel with her. Right. Um, when I think of goddess Sophia, I feel a cleansing. I feel, uh, she's very nurturing. Like she wants to just, you know, cleanse your, your hair, cleanse all yourself from your, your sorrows. And, um, goddess Athena, I, she's strong. She's, she's about courage. She's, she's about like, let's, you know, don't play small, play big. She's, she's firm. Her energy is very firm. And you, you might see people when they channel them that they tend to be really firm. They're expressing her strength. She wants you to have strength. Isis is all about balance. So I feel the balance of the feminine and the masculine energy. I feel like totally centered with her, almost like half masculine, half feminine, <clears throat> like this energy is completely, you know, if I'm too much one way or the other, I can feel she's straightening me out, but she's also very strong. And she's also powerful in her femininity and masculinity. So she's also powerful in her sexuality. So you can see the way I'm describing it, they have, it, it's very specific what they focus on, the goddesses. That's what I've noticed with them. Well, at 18, you had an out-of-body experience that led you to what you're doing today. Can you tell us about that? That experience, it's funny. I realize why not everyone receives that experience. Um, because that experience made me not want to come back. <laughs> um, once I did come back, didn't want, I wanted to, I didn't want to be here anymore. It was so beautiful. So what happened was it was during my sleep and there was this guy who kind of appeared like, a, a, a meditation kind of guy, you know, he's not, wasn't a guru, but someone that loved to meditate. And he said, it is time come with me. And he takes me into a room and we sit down uh, across near each other on the floor. And then I go into meditation and then I leave my body. And <clears throat> I immediately went into the light and I became the light. And the way I can describe this light is like the candlelight, the color of candlelight. It's, it's, it's bright, but it's got a yellowness to it and it's warm. So the heat, I actually felt the heat of the light. I felt the, the light. I, I wasn't, there was, it wasn't light in front of me. I was this light. Okay. But the interesting thing is that there was, there was a God, there was this almighty, you know, this universal thing, because it's interesting, you know, when you're in the sun and you know, that the sun is shining on you because you actually feel rays coming towards you, right? So it's the same thing that happened with me. I felt rays of this almighty coming towards me, even though I was the light. That's the fascinating part. So when you're in the light, people think, oh, you're just in the light. You, you won't know your uniqueness. But I still knew that I was, for some reason, unique in this light. And immediately I felt tears because it was so beautiful and the love. So there's love 
in this energy and the, and this love was this love was coming at me i was in it but there was more just continually coming towards me and the amazing thing was that this love was unlike anything that you could ever experience on earth and like if someone says oh no but my, you know my love for my child i have not had children so i cannot share that but what i do know is that the love that you do have for someone you you would probably have to make it exponentially higher a thousand a million fold it's it's beyond comprehension and you're amazed at how loved you are i remember at that moment feeling amazed at how loved i am and and then the interesting thing that happened was i got curious and i started asking questions and for some reason i was asking astrological questions like how the how things were formed and all this kind of stuff and i was immediately being told the answer through um a science that doesn't exist here so when i came back i could not remember that stuff because it was incomprehensible plus i was 18 plus i didn't really know science that much i had taken science but i i mean you know i, I wouldn't have been able to there were i was literally given all these kind of formulas and all this stuff, but the information, this light had knowledge in it. And so I think that that was something very key for me to bring back here on earth to teach. And, and the other thing is I felt power. This, this energy is powerful, right? And so when I came back, I think that was my main experience, the love, the warmth, the light and that the fact that I'm in it and that it's still coming towards me, this almighty presence is real. And when I came back, I went, oh my goodness, uh, I don't even want to be here. This is, it's beautiful there, right? Which is also interesting because you're, you're light. It, like as a human, I think, why would I want to just be in light? Right, like that sounds kind of boring. Um, I'm sure that there's more beyond that, that I, I then start to experience other things, but that's what I was meant to experience at that moment. I know that I have my individuality. I just know that there's something there where I can express that when I'm there, when I'm gone, where I no longer have my body. But I was meant to come back to eventually bring these teachings. So you were pretty young when that happened, 18. Did your life really change much at that time? It started to change. It did because that feeling never left me like to this day. And I'm 50, I'm going to be 54 in a week, actually. So that feeling never changed. That feeling was always there. And when I would talk to people, I would see them. I, I saw the beauty in everyone. I saw the beauty in it's funny, someone could do wrong, you know, do something bad. And I don't see them as doing something bad. I see them as someone who is lost, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they're lost, right? So that I, I find that with everyone, this is kind of how I saw people. And sometimes people wonder, how do, how do you do that, right? It's because of my experience that I can do that. Um, so life completely changed. And, and then slowly, uh, I started to receive um, some visitations from Ascended Masters. 
visitations in what way? They tended to come <clears throat> in the beginning through my dreams. And um, uh, mind you, there was one visitation when I was 16 for Mother Mary. Um, and she came while I was getting ready to do my hair, basically. And she showed up in my room. And I knew nothing about Mother Mary. I, I didn't even know who she was. But I knew at that moment it was her. And I got down on my knees and I felt a blessing from her. So that, that was some kind of initiation from her. And then in my 20s, later 20s and 30s, I would <clears throat> start to receive uh, Mother Mary in my dream and Isis and Kuan Yin. And they would, they would give me a teaching. It was like a, a teaching school kind of thing. And they would show up and they would show me an exercise and they would ask me to practice it basically and to learn something about it. And the one, the one of them that I remember was they were standing here and asking me to cross this veil. Right. And there are other, other humans too next to me. And so, I crossed the veil and the moment I crossed it, I became the light. And the moment I had a thought that was not divinely guided, meaning not of divine truth. So a thought that is an illusion, thought that something's not, not correct. Immediately, I was thrusted back immediately into the physical form. And then I was asked to come back again. And so I was, I was being shown how to understand the power of the mind and the power of our thoughts and what the power of our thoughts do and how we can we can merge with the divine or we can be separated from it you've had visitations all the way back to when you were 16. did you ever ask any of these beings why me <laughs> you know that's so funny that you asked that question because no i didn't i thought it was normal you know what the strange thing is? I thought it was normal, yet I never told anyone. That's the weird thing. It was like, isn't this normal? I remember I had a psychic reading and Jesus came behind me and I could feel the love from his heart going into the back of my, my, um, my, my neck and my back. And he was, his head was here and the woman was crying her eyes out because she felt so blinded, right? And I actually thought it was normal. Yet I had never experienced that before, right? So there was some kind of knowing about these things, knowing it almost like no, like I knew them. And so it was normal. And I never asked them why they're here. And I, I think that I just, I, I just felt like it was a part of life that they're here. If we move forward in time, you had your own dark night of the soul. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so I was working in the corporate world for 30 years. 21 of those years was at one company. And I had gone through relationships that were always challenging. And it added on to the stress of my life. And what happened was, um, before I turned 50, it was a year before, I said to myself, if things don't change in this workplace, I'm going to quit right? Because 
I kept feeling a calling that I'm supposed to help people in another way. I was a health and safety supervisor. I really was a director, but I wasn't given the title. I was overseeing a thousand people. I was having to deal with all the managers and all the departments and it, it was manufacturing. It was huge. So it was a high stress job, very high stress. And um, so what happened was two days after I turned 50, I woke up one morning from the stress and I started hyperventilating. Actually, I had an argument with my, I don't my boyfriend at the time, which is now my husband. And I started hyperventilating. <laughs> and what happened was I couldn't get my proper breath. And I realized at that moment that um, I need to go to the doctor because as a health and safety professional, you know that that's not healthy, right? So I went to the doctor and I said, I need time off. I need to, I, I want to deal with this through therapy. I don't want to take medication. I want to deal with this, right? And I was starting to have suicidal thoughts and I had never had that in my life either. And so that was pretty serious. So that was, I went through three months of dealing with that in order to make a decision that would feel right for me to realize that I'm meant to quit my job and I'm meant to change my life and do a new thing in my life. So you have a book out that's called Heal and Awaken the Goddess Within. And within that book, there are 22 chapters and each chapter is channeled by a different being, right? Yes. How did this book come about in the first place? Okay, so this is a great question. All right, so I'm going to continue that story then about when I, when I decided to quit, it was September 2021. And this is what I said. I said, okay, God, I am going to surrender to you now. And I'm tired of my excuses of, you know, waiting for the perfect moment, waiting for having the perfect money to quit my job. I'm going to do this and I will do whatever you tell me to do. And so I made that commitment. And in 2020, November, November 20, so that was 2019. Sorry, that was 20. So in, in November 2021, all of a sudden I was channeling for myself. And then I was told, you need to write this book. And Goddess Padama was the one that came through. And I had no idea who, who the heck she was, right? And she said, Hush, begin now. And I had no clue what I was going to write. And so what I did was within that week, I went, okay. I, I promised, I made a vow that I will do what you tell me to do. And so I started every Monday and I said, show me what I'm to write. And then I would put my hands on the keyboard and then I would hear one word. And then well, when I say here, I mean, the thoughts would pop up in my head. One word, then the next, then the next. And I would not even know what each sentence would be. And I would just write each chapter that way. And they gave exercises and everything. I was totally out of the way. So I just trusted in the process. One thing I like a lot about your book is that you encourage people to write and journal. And you actually give space in your book to do so. So the most important thing, the one thing that... I do not want for people is I do not want them to rely on someone else to tell them that their life is going to be good, right? Because this does not empower them. It will give them hope 
And nothing's wrong with doing that every once in a while. But the most important thing is finding out how can you change yourself so that you can empower yourself and you can make the positive steps. You can change your neural pathways. You can connect to the benevolent realm. Or if you don't want to do that, you can connect to your Holy Spirit. You can receive guidance. And so it's really important what they were trying to show me is that exercise after exercise after exercise, eventually you're going to get it and you're going to start changing your neural pathways. You're going to learn how to connect to that divine mind, which is known as that knowledge that exists in the, you know, this, this energy field and basically your spirit. And so the goal was to be able to transform yourself by doing those things. Out of all the 22 beings, do you have a favorite or at least one that you feel like you personally resonate with the most? That's a thought-provoking question. <laughs> um, I would say it's, it's, a, it's a hard one, but I know that Isis is always with me. I felt her over all the years, and I know Kuan Yin is always with me, and I know Mother Mary is always with me. Mary Magdalene came into my life a little later, and there's something that I love about her. She's really a soft person, but she, she reminds you about the passions that exist within you. And I feel quite a connection that way. Um, I think that there's a few that I have a connection with, Goddess Emanuela. Her energy is so amazing. She connects you to the qualities of the divine the the power the love the wisdom and jesus immense love immense love and he's he basically is taking you to the holy spirit so i think that i mean the other one is goddess athena her her courage to stand up stand strong like she's someone that really helps you to move forward and and believe in what you're doing and don't give up you know and uh, Lord Lanto is actually a unique being that came through. He's actually an Ascended Master. He came from sometime in BC, an Asian man. And he, uh, his focus is connecting you with the knowledge of, of the divine. And when I connect with him, he's really helping me to stay centered and to stay connected to the divine knowledge rather than getting lost in my, my limited thoughts. So it's a variety, basically. It's hard to it's hard to pinpoint one, but there are some favorites. I think one of the themes of your books is that we are out of balance with our feminine energy. So does that mean that we all have too much masculine energy? Yes, I would say a lot of us do. And um, it's important to be balanced. And when, when we talk about masculine energy and feminine energy, we're really talking about the archetype, right? So the feminine is, is the creative person, the feminine is the receiver, the feminine is the intuitive one, um, the masculine is the active, the doer, and also part of the creator as well. But I think that so many of us have been in the corporate world and we're always, pressured from the corporate world to do, 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 must do this, must do that. There's a reward system. If we get this done on time, if we don't get this done on time, discipline, 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 right? And that's the solution. And what ha that has led us to act like a more in our male energy to fight back, right? 
the, the male is, a, is also a great warrior. And, um, and so that left us out of balance. That left us feeling unsafe to connect to our intu intuition. Can you imagine in the corporate world and boardroom saying, okay, everyone, so what do you think would be the next plan for the next year? And then let's say, okay, let's tap into our intuition. Like who would do that? That's, it's not acceptable yet. And I think that we will move towards that. I was speaking to someone who um, it, it got accepted to work in a, in a major company, electric company, to give meditations to them, right? So this is starting to become a little more normal. And I think that over time, people will start to realize that, hey, this is actually to our benefit if we can tap into that feminine part. And maybe they will change the wording and, and not call it feminine and masculine, but this is at this present point what we're calling it. But yes, I would say the majority of us are out of balance in that. And there, there may be some people who, who didn't get into the corporate world and maybe they, they have more balance with the feminine or maybe they don't have enough balance with the masculine. I don't know, but I would say the majority are out of balance with that feminine, especially the feminine allows you to connect to your spirit, being the receiver, listening. Right. Rather than closing off yourself and thinking that, you know, the answers. I think a lot of people not only feel alone, but also feel misunderstood and they don't fit in. Why do you think that is? Because there's a part of them that remembers who they are. There's a part of them that remembers that they're greater than just this human being. There's a part of them that feels connected. In some cases, some people feel connected to a place where I've had clients where they're connected. To, they feel a connection to another planet, right? They might not even be consciously aware of this, but where there was an advanced civilization, where there was, there was a huge intuitive nature, there was love, there was intelligence, there was great, um, science, technology, all of this kind of stuff. And then they come here and it's, it's almost in comparison, like they're in the dark ages. And, and that feeling of love and connection, it wasn't a fear-based planet where people are operating out of fear. This is a huge fear-based planet where people, every, you know, wars, there's wars and it, wars are made because of fear and not communicating and so forth. So that longing, there's a longing inside that remembrance for that place to be able to experience that part of you. And you realize it's not quite here yet on earth. You mentioned that this is a fear based planet, but don't you write that ultimately fear is an illusion? Absolutely. Fear is an illusion. The only, the only truth that exists in this divine energy, which is who we are is love, wisdom, and power. Anything that is not a benevolent wisdom, like, uh, oh, I can never do this, or life is too hard, or um, I'm afraid I'll, I'll never amount to anything. All this stuff, it's, it's a lie. It's not true. And that's, that's the illusion. Because when you realize that you are one with the power of this universe, you're one, meaning it's flowing through the table. It's flowing. I mean, when you think about cellular network, it's not just flowing uh, through the windows, it's flowing through the buildings and through the tables, through us. 
the same way that this universal energy, the divine, the almighty is flowing through everything. And so since it's flowing through everything, it means those qualities of love, wisdom, power is flowing through us. That means we're not separate from it. We are the drop in the ocean, right? And so when we, when we experience that wisdom, when we are aligned with it, then the only truth we get is the divine truth. And when we separate from it using our mind and we just think about not, when we don't allow ourselves to experience the knowledge that truly exists, then we're creating, we're living in illusion. What tips can you give us for highly sensitive people? So highly sensitive people, I'm a highly sensitive person and a highly empathic person. And a highly sensitive person is someone who um, will receive, um, like you might know, notice a lot of electromagnetic energy. You may experience a lot of pollution. You may be sensitive to noises, external noises, you know, just too many people in a, in a room or cars going by, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's literally a, a challenging one um, to be able to handle. From my experience, the most important thing is to, to get out in environments where you experience more peace. Allow Mother Earth to work on grounding you because Gaia is here and here to help ground you. It's really vital to be able to get more of that, the energy of the earth, because what's happening is through the other electrical energy that's happening, there's our, if you can imagine, it's kind of, there's chaos. Our bodies are experiencing chaos. And apparently for highly sensitive people, there's been studies done. Your brain is processing information differently than someone who isn't highly sensitive. And so it's almost like you're experiencing more um, recognition of all this energy that's coming your way. And so for some people, they feel overwhelmed, they feel tired as a result. And um, eating foods that feel good for you, where you can feel like, oh, I feel a sense of relaxation in my body as a result. The trick is to ask, the divine mind, so learning how to ask the divine mind, what is it that my body needs to feel relaxation, to not feel this constant stress response? Because the body ends up, ends up being in a stress response mode and your spirit can tell you what it is that you need. From my experience, earth has been good, but sometimes certain juicing helps. Um, Certain foods may help certain people. It depends on who you are. Everyone's different. So that's kind of what I recommend is to, to not use your mind, which they, what they teach me is this is called the limited mind. <laughs> use the divine mind. Connect to that and say, what is it that I'm to do? Pay attention to what comes. Put your attention up here and pay attention to what comes. Pay attention to what shows up as thoughts. And those are that's the guidance you need. Well, not all of us are highly sensitive, but I think almost all of us are experiencing so much anxiety at this time. What can we do to help ourselves with that? So what I've been told is the most important thing um, to understand is that anxiety is a gift that is meant to be dealt with. And anxiety is your soul is telling you, hey, buddy, knock, knock, knock. You're not listening to me. I've been telling you for so long 
that you should not be doing this anymore. You need to be doing this instead and you're not listening. And so since you're not taking those steps, I'm gonna make your body shake. I'm gonna increase your heartbeat. I'm gonna make you sweat. I'm gonna do things to your body so that you feel really uncomfortable. And if you still don't listen, I'm gonna make you debilitated so that you have to take time off basically and listen and decide to make changes. The challenge here is many people have learned to just cope through anxiety rather than dealing with what is the cause? What is it that my soul is trying to tell me? And in essence, your spirit, what does your spirit want you to do? And your soul has a gift of being able to communicate this to your body. And so the goal here is how can I remove this anxiety? So one step is, first of all, to ask yourself, what is it that I want? What is it that I'm being guided to do? What is it that I don't like in my life? What are those things that are happening in my life that I feel like things are being taken away from me, right? So a, a situation and a work situation, what is it that you can do to shift this? Because if you're already receiving anxiety, it means there's a part of you that hasn't been fully listening to make the, the changes that you need to make. And <clears throat> what I'm told is that when you become the observer of, hey, my body, so some people don't know what it is. And the goal is to just pay attention. How is your body behaving in a certain situation when someone says something or when I do a certain thing? Okay, so when I go and do this task at work, my body starts to shake. Okay, what is your body experiencing at that moment? Is it experiencing a fear of something? Do you feel like you're losing something? Do you feel like you're being controlled? Do you feel like something's being taken away or that you don't have freedom to speak, to have a voice? What is it? You need to claim that back. That's the goal is to be able to, to understand that process. And the reason why I'm also talking about being the observer, in quantum physics, they talk about, or quantum mechanics, they talk about being the observer of what is. When you can be the observer of what is, what I'm told is the benevolent realm or your Holy Spirit, whichever you prefer, can then make changes in your energy field. Because now you're saying, okay, I shake when this situation happens. And so now you can go into a meditation, you can invite in their spirit, or you can invite in an angel or whatever it is to say, okay, transmute this. And the initiations that are given in the book show that they magically do some kind of transmutation. Speaking of your book, in chapter 15, you write about embracing money. Can you talk a little bit about why so many people have hangups about money? So there's a, there's a few factors involved here with embracing money. One is um, the fear of the fear of being in your greatness, because when you, when you invite in helping, let's just say you're going to help thousands of people, okay, versus helping one-on-one. -on -one. You move from, I'm going to do one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to help a thousand people at one time. Of course, what that involves is having to invite in more money, because you're, invite, you're helping so many at a time. That feeling of being able to work for a thousand people, let's just say in an audience setting, is scary for most people versus one-on-one. -on -one. And the alignment with receiving must be occurring 
at the same time when you want to invite helping all these people out. And so the concept people like to give themselves is earning money is bad. And that's the way to keep them feeling safe, right? They keep feeling safe. And so it's like a form of self-sabotage. How can you charge this much? Well, you charge that much because you can only allow so much time one-on-one. -on -one. You need to charge a lot of money one-on-one -on -one versus a group setting. And so the goal here is to understand the concept of money and understanding that um, what, you, what you feel about yourself. And Mother Moon came in this example, actually. Great spirit, great spirit moon, great moon spirit, something like that. She came and she said, when you see the reflection of me in the moon, what do you see? What beauty do you see? And you know that you go, wow, you're in awe. You see this beauty. And so then she returns it back on you. She said, if you were reflecting in that, in that water, what would you see? Would you see the same beauty of yourself? And so the goal here is to be able to experience your own reflection in the water as something beautiful. Because what you emanate when you experience that emanation, that's when people are coming, they're drawn to you. And they want to they want to pay you and so then it's it's in the understanding that this is this is energy this is love that you're receiving this is not something toxic or bad to receive money because think about this if i could help a million people and if i could get to that stage which is my goal to be able to help a million people i would be able to earn so much money that i could then do fill in things. I could help people in ways that I would never be able to help people right now. That is a miracle, being able to do that, right? So when people think, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't make money and I should only do this, well, then you're not going to be able to really help millions of people. So that, that's something to really think about, right? So the real fear, you got you to deal with that fear inside of yourself of, of standing in that greatness because your spirit the moment you connect with your spirit your spirit will challenge you to go even greater each time if there's an infinite amount of possibilities with how great you can go in this connection and guidance you receive from your spirit can you talk a little bit about the importance of aligning with positive driven people this is absolutely important it's important for you to ask yourself get serious with yourself Ask yourself, when you talk to people, what do you notice about how their response is? When you talk to them about your dreams, are they, are they starting to say, oh, no, no, that's a bad idea. No, like, what are you talking about? You should make money. You should, no, 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 stick with your job that you're doing. It's just a bad idea. And so they're saying that because they're afraid and they're living in fear, which means they're living in the illusion of what's not real right? So it's important that when you want to, you want to stand in your power and you want to take yourself to the next level, to the most extreme level, you must stand in your power at all times, which means it's really important to uh, meet people who are like that, who are positively driven people. And what I find is that business owners tend to be positively driven people. If they have a challenge in their life, they're not going to say, oh, 
life is hard. No, they say, okay, something went wrong here. What do we need to change? And they change it, right? So you need to be able to be with people. If you want to be more spiritual, be with people who are more spiritual. You want to be with people who are more advanced in understanding the truth of all that is. Be with people that are like that. Be less with people that are not like that. Try not to have those kind of conversations with loved ones who are not like that. Just kind of avoid that and, and connect with those people who who will keep you inspired because you need each other to inspire each other to keep going in this world. Otherwise it can feel a bit lonely. What tips do you have to help people be more present? Being more present is a huge one. And uh, Buddha came with that. And Buddha is, um, he actually came by the way today. Uh, he wanted to be here today for this. Um, so he says, to pay attention to your breath because your breath is being breathed by the divine. And you, many of you may have already heard this where the divine is breathing you. And so to be present first is to become aware of your breath. And when you can breathe in and then breathe out, and when you're doing it, say, the divine is breathing me. And be aware of that. Really place your awareness on this fact. And when you do that, you start to experience the present moment awareness. And when you experience the present moment awareness, you can place your heightened awareness of what is really present in this moment. Those thoughts and all that stuff is not in the present moment. And so the key is going back to the breath. And Buddha really helps you. If you are one who likes to connect to um, benevolent beings, Buddha is great with that. He, that's his focal point is to invite you back into the present moment and experience that holy presence that exists within you. Moving forward, where do you think the journey of your path is leading you to? Me personally? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so me personally, I feel like my path is leading me to helping others to become more aware of who they are, right? Becoming more aware that they have this powerful presence that's in them. Becoming aware that they have a powerful spirit, that they're not having to be disempowered, right? That they can become their greatness. They can step into that power. They can feel it and they can do it every day. They can experience it every day. And so my goal is to be able to literally help a million people. That is what I'm told, to focus on the million people, of being able to awaken those people, because those people, can you imagine how many people they'll help, <laughs> right? To be able to become in this awareness, this awakeness. And when everyone can become in this awareness and awakeness, then the world becomes awake. The world becomes awake to all kinds of circumstances happening in the life and realizing what needs to change in life. But life won't change if people are not awake. If people are not aware of that spirit that exists within them, they're not aware of that power. It's not separate from them. It's flowing through them. It's constantly here. And all they need to do is access that. And when they do that, it's um, um, immaculate changes will happen. So you have the book. What else are you working on that you would like us to know about? So the book 
Um, well, I'll show you the book. It's it's beautiful. Heal and Awaken the Goddess Within. And um, I'm working on oracle cards. So a painter actually painted the, the actual paintings. And he's painting all the, the, the paintings for the oracle cards. And then I'm going to have a museum photographer take photos of them and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm going to create oracle cards. And I'm going to create more books too. I'm being shown already two more books. It, it's insane. But... Um, <clears throat> I'm working on various things at the same time. And what I'm doing though, is I'm taking people through this program. I have this program on through modules and all that, through the initiations, meditations, then they meet with me and go through coaching sessions and all that. And I help them to see things that they might not have been able to see when they did it themselves in the book. But basically it's helping people to get to that point where they feel like they know their purpose and they know what steps to take and they know how to consistently move towards that direction. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I do do channeling sessions, but my goal is to empower others to tap into that themselves, right? That's my ultimate goal. And eventually what I want to do is I want to do group coaching and, and then I want to do retreats. And so it's just, that's what I'm being guided. Just keep expanding, expanding, expanding. Are Oracle cards similar to tarot cards? No, they're not similar because tarot cards have a certain um, outline where each card has a specific meaning. And when you work on different things, they mean something together, right? Oracle cards are more like you you ask a question and then you, you pick a card and you're receiving some guidance on whatever that card is. So it's a bit different. And for the Oracle cards, it's focused on the, um, the teachings from the Ascended Masters or the goddesses, the gods, that kind of thing about um, something that you can empower yourself in life, right? So if it's something about compassion or love or forgiveness or empowerment, or that kind of thing, that's what those cards would be focused on. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you up for that? Absolutely. So you can, okay, so I'm, I'm pretty popular on Instagram, Genevieve.Tager. Uh, my website is Live a Transformative Life. You don't know how to spell that you can spell genevieve tager it leads you to the same thing and you can sign up to my newsletter list as well i i do channelings and teachings that are given to me every week and you can receive that and updates about what my upcoming things are and yeah that's how you can reach me i'd love to hear from you you also have a youtube channel right i do but it's not active so I had a YouTube channel and I just use it because I had to do some other things on it. So I have an act one day. I mean, you know, it's funny you're saying that because many people have guided me to, to do some kind of YouTube channel, but not yet. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Yes. The most key thing is that you have a passion. So Mary Magdalene says you have a passion that exists in your sacred heart. And when you access your sacred heart, you can tap into your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit will give you the guidance on what your passion is and that you're meant to live it. You're not meant to wait. You're meant to experience this passion. And it doesn't have to be work related. It could be just living this passion in your everyday life and that you have the power to experience the power of the spirit. You have the power to experience everything that you want to experience in life. And so they really want you to be able to do that. They have compassion for you and they know life is hard, but they're saying you can make a change and you can experience some beauty in life. And 
experience a sense of purpose. Genevieve, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. It's truly an honor to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.